Hello. Oh, hey, Rob. What, what you doing? I'm making dinner. Where are you this time, Gary? Rob, I am real close. Muncie, Indiana. <laughs> Why on earth would you go to Muncie, Indiana? That's a really valid question, Rob. I'm at the Bob Ross History Museum, and it is amazing. The painter guy? Of course the painter guy, Rob. He's the most influential artist of our time. No, debatable. But why are you telling me this? Because, Rob Grimm, I have a great idea for Black Friday. All right, let's hear it. We're going to make a very special Black Friday this holiday season. It's our world and we can make it whatever we want, Rob. We can add some happy little Black Friday gifts here and some great big mountainous discounts over there. We can create anything we want, Bob. It sounds like you're just quoting Bob Ross. What's the point? Mr. Grimm, I just want to paint you in a crimson red and phthalo blue and just in general beat the devil out of you. Gary, this is weird. I'm hanging up now. No, Rob, don't hang up again. Don't go, Rob. I just I just want you to listen to my little ideas and give me feedback in a positive and constructive type of way. Rob? Grimm? Mr. Grimm? Are you there? Oh, Rob. That's very upsetting. I wish you'd come on back. Come on back to your Gary. Welcome to the RGG EDU podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. So grab yourself a cold sarsaparilla and saddle up. In this episode, we're sitting down with newborn family portrait photographer Tracy Sweeney. Tracy, thank you. Commercial? Yeah, she said too. yeah, she's got commercial in there, See, too. I told you I wouldn't remember all of those <laughs> words. That's why I'm here, to help you out. I am just barely hanging on, Rob. How are you doing? I'm feeling good. You feeling good? Yeah. We I'm... just cracked our first beer of the day. I know. And it's, 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 it's actually late for us. It's 4 o'clock. It's 4 p.m. It's halfway through WPPI. Absolutely. It's 7 p.m. Yeah. at home, so right. how totally is, appropriate. How is your WPPI going? So far, so good. Yeah. It's my first time here, and the energy's been great, and response, and been awesome so no i'm excited are you teaching classes are you speaking a little bit of both so i spoke this morning at the adobe theater um i spoke about selling without selling because i don't do in-person sales but i rock sales so that was my talk this you rock sales all right well we're gonna have to talk about that yeah yeah Yeah. and then tomorrow i have a plus class so an intensive six hour newborn workflow class and basically um, guiding you know, aspiring newborn photographers or even seasoned photographers uh, regarding a workflow that I use in studio that's really made easy so that they're not overarching these goals within a session that don't seem achievable, um, but instead having a workflow that's really tried and true and a model that I use um, all the time. So you have a formula, basically. I for do. Your, yeah, I do. For your shooting, for your posing, for the whole... Exactly. Yeah. Let's go back in time, shall we? Why not? When <laughs> you were first picking up a camera and decided to call yourself a photographer. When she was first born. Let's go Let's go all the way back. How was your childhood? Let's go. To, let, all right. We could go to Tiny Tracy days. <laughs> Where did Tiny Tracy grow up? How did Tiny Tracy grow up? <laughs> <This> is... <laughs> Um, I grew up in Rhode Island, so I am a New Englander, born and raised, and then moved out to the Midwest for a while, then lived out in Philly, and now I'm back in Rhode Island. Cool. Like We're in the Midwest. We're, University no. of Nebraska. Oh. Yeah. I feel like you don't have an East Coast accent. So I don't, because I just, I went to University of Nebraska, and you yeah. like lose any sense yeah. of, you know, of uh, accent when you move to the Midwest. And my first like legit job was as a telemarketer. Oh, so, <laughs> so you had to lose it for that? So I lost it. What were you was, selling? Oh, like, it was horrific. I was selling credit cards. Like, before I was even old enough to have a credit card, I didn't even understand how they worked. Seriously? Oh, so it, was, like it was absurd. 16-year-old, 17-year-old? I was, like, 15, 15, and I had a script. I'm like, hi, this is Tracy calling behalf of the Bravo card to let you know that you've been pre-approved to receive the no way, no fee. Yeah, and I didn't really even understand, like, how credit how they worked. worked. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame when I think about it. How now. many times did you get hung up on? A lot. Oh, all the time, yeah. yeah. Well, the worst was, I eventually was fired. And it was because <laughs> I was just hanging up on people. <laughs> I would just sit there. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> because you just sit there with headphones on. You know, it's, like, right. it's like beep and you're connected. That's right. why there's always that delay yeah. when you have a telemarketer. Yeah. So I would just, I would go in, you know, on a Saturday morning. I'd be hungover and be like, all right, we're not going to speak right now. You were now. hungover as a 15-year-old. Like you, did, you did yeah. have a pretty It was like 16, challenge. not 15. I think at that point I'd been right. with the company, you Does know, like eight months. Does it matter at that point? <laughs> One year, 15? I know. What did you start drinking, Rob? Uh, honestly? No, dishonestly. Uh, it was pretty early. I remember my friend Keith Tayon and I in fifth grade um, broke into his mom's liquor cabinet. What was it? Creme de mint. 
I'm demented. Yeah. Yeah. You probably now can't drink that, can you? Oh, no. Why would I? Um, <laughs> so in my small defense, I was already like a junior in high school. So I was like oh, young yeah. for my that's, grade. <laughs> that's pretty much when you start drinking. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes freshman. You know. yeah. Sometimes sixth grade. <laughs> so, yeah. Sometimes. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. <laughs> All right. Back to Tracy. Uh, early days, getting into it. How, how did that happen? So I really came into the industry for my field in newborn photography, much like many other mothers, essentially through having my own children. Um, I was a teacher for many years, and I was working on my doctorate. And Yes, math. Did you teach math? Oh, God, no. No. <laughs> what did you teach? History. Was that really your guess? I couldn't tell yeah. if you were joking. No, it was. Oh, my, no, was my goodness. Guess. No, that would like, be the furthest dichotomy. Like you'd be really good at math. Plausible. No. Not good at math. Awful. Awful. Bad Horrific. Yeah. Like addition? Unless it's like a word problem that I can kind of like write <laughs> myself out of. Uh-uh. English no. teacher. English teacher. Oh, okay. You've got right. it. Yeah, lit. Um, I used to have American lit, Brit lit. And then when I started teaching at the university level, I taught curriculum instruction and then added on the technology component. So I came into photography actually backwards because I really loved design and I would create curriculum guides and I'd be like including like graphic elements and writing everything and I wanted to learn Photoshop and started learning Photoshop and wanted to learn um, Illustrator and InDesign and so I just sort of tackled the whole suite but I knew nothing about photography at all. And then when I had my son... um, I'm sort of kind of like speeding this up a little bit, but yada yada yeah yada yada yada. yada, 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 yada. I'm gonna pick up. I'm gonna get a camera and I'm gonna be a photographer and it's gonna be amazing. And no, I had no ambitions of becoming a photographer. I really truly just wanted to document him, and I just loved the technical side of it. And I don't mean technical from the standpoint of like technical photography. I really mean like behind the computer. So it's interesting because so it's the editing side. It really was. It was sort of this like pensive like meditative process for me that I sort of just love to see there really quietly because I don't get a lot of quiet opportunities mm-hmm. and I'm not that quiet but it's really <laughs> nice to sit and just like I was editing and I was learning and I'm very I mean I have a lot of background in education but I'm very self-taught like everything that I've always done has really been my own pursuit of learning um, and that's really what started I just started looking like a lot of YouTube videos I'd be I had twins in two that what year was that 2011 I had to I, think about that <laughs> and I'd be up at night like Breastfeeding them with like my phone in my hand, watching YouTube videos because really? it was just so extensive and the timing in the middle of the night, and you're just kind of in delirium anyway. And I'd just yeah. be like learning. You just black out for two yeah, years. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but in the midst of it, I was like, it's all right, the I'm gonna... best and the worst thing uh, that you go through. Absolutely, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, but it's great. Yeah. It so it's another better yeah. So do you still like the post processing? I do not as much as I used yeah. to because then we, well, you go through phases. Like anything, and once it becomes, you know, truly a you're not shooting for yourself anymore. You're not learning just for yourself anymore. Um, but you do go through phases. I absolutely agree. And as I have really streamlined things now, I do look forward to my days when I'm um, editing. And I say my days because that's how my week works. Like if I'm shooting, I'm shooting all day. Um, so I try to reserve like just shooting days and I try to reserve just office days because I don't like to do the two. I feel highly inefficient with like the transition from like shooting to going back to the office and like sitting and editing. Mm-hmm. So I really look forward to the days where I get to like get up and like not change and do nothing but like brush my teeth maybe and just sit <laughs> in front of the computer, you know, and drink maybe. my coffee and then roll into the appropriate time to have a glass of wine and <laughs> just edit, but just sit all day all right. long. I love 11 a.m. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty damn right? good life. Once 11 a.m. hits, I'm so happy. 11, it's like I mean, the, like the two big concerns were brushing <laughs> your teeth and when is it time for wine that's yeah. in her day yeah. <laughs> now in the midst of all this you know there are five kids that i take very good care wait, of. wait <laughs> you didn't stop at three you kept going so i she have had like three more <laughs> i had three <laughs> biological children two stepchildren oh got it yes, right. but we have five kids under one roof and yeah, yeah that's a lot that's it's a busy a household it is how many boys how many girls so we have two boys three girls right. 13 year old a 10 year old nine year old and the twins are six and a half Oh, that's a wow. good. That's a good spread. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a fun spread. It is, and it gets like it gets easier. You know, I'm thinking back in the days when I was learning photography and how challenging just like life was in general, and photography was really just like refuge for me. It was giving me a little bit more of an identity in the sense of I'm learning, and I'm still, you know, I'm still here. Right, you felt engaged. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Despite being, you know, at home and maternally for a while, and just being, you know, inundated with being a mom, which is a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. but it's also exceptionally it's challenging hard. and especially when you have twins and you really can't I, I don't want to go anywhere my girlfriends are having like a kid and I had already you know I had a toddler and then I had twins like they would like be like let's go do lunch and I'm like really like they had like a handbag to carry I have like 
and when I mean handbag, I mean a child. Right. And I'd have like, you know, all, all, this, the, stuff. <laughs> all yeah. this stuff with all these kids. And it wouldn't happen. So I think, you know, I was, I was home for a while on maternity leave. I was teaching online at that point because I had transitioned into the online sector for education, mm-hmm. which I wanted to do. Um, but it also isolated me a little bit, yeah. too. So it was, it was a way of photography for me to like kind of get out and, you know, feel... Like I had identity and I was learning this new thing that was also empowering. So how did you transition from just basically being a wino, doing your own <laughs> retouching and and then doing it for other people? I feel like I'm giving you the wrong impression. <laughs> no, we're, we're intentionally taking it the wrong way. Tiny that's, tracing the wino. That's how, we, that's how we do things. Um, it's 11 a.m. So, so how did I transition? I was te- so, I, so I did want to teach online. That was always an objective for me. And I wanted to, um, because I didn't want to go to brick and mortar anymore. I didn't want to be, I, I acquired this position where I was teaching in this room. It was like a cinder block room. I truly had no windows. That sounds awful. It was awful. Yeah. Um, with, I had moved back to Rhode Island and um, I was teaching in Fall River, Massachusetts. And I'm in this, yeah, this old, old building, cinder block walls. I had a chalkboard. I'm not kidding you. Like at this point, that was it. And that's old school. It was so old school. And that wasn't even like the hard part. It was truly just like, I felt like I was in a prison. Like I'm, I had, I couldn't see sunlight. I lost my voice. I went to the doctors and I uh, went to see an ENT and he was like, you're going to need to take a leave of absence. Like your, your vocal cords are so strained. It it was absurd. They sent the scope down. He's showing me this. And he's like, if you keep doing this, like you're, you're going to lose your ability to speak. But really? You've got to be kidding me. And I swear to you, it was because I was in this building with like no air, no no ability to yeah. even like filter anything out. And I know that sounds crazy, but I was feeling the effects of it. No, that doesn't sound crazy. I was feeling the effects of it. And I'm like, I can't do this. Like I was like leaving every day. And it was a new, it was a new position for me. I was there. I was like two months deep and I would like go to my car and cry. I'm like, I can't do this. Well, I that's, yeah, that's can't do this. Like, And so I, um, yeah, I pursued this online position and with the University of Concordia. And I was psyched. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I can now work from home. And I really was pleased, but it was also a huge pay cut. And so I'm like, how, how am I going to make up this deficit? And I was just a hobbyist photographer. I was shooting my own children. I was photographing for some friends and family on the mm-hmm. weekend. Um, and then I thought, well, I'll just take like a couple shoots here and there. And I'm going to like start charging. Right. <laughs> and I did. And the moment I did that, it was like game over. I had an exterior structure on my property. Uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, a shed mm-hmm. <laughs> that I repurposed and made really cool. Um, so I started taking clients in 2012, and take them into the shed. It was like, yeah, that's it, out back take you in the shed. Let's the shed. do this. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that was it. I the business just evolved from there, snowballed. And before I knew, it, I mean, I was shooting, you know, seven to ten clients a week. Um, you know, and, and I made it a real business did you ever have to promote yourself or was it all word of mouth it was in the it was all word of mouth i mean i didn't pay a dime any sort of marketing until maybe like 2014 with some facebook ads you know once once people started promoting on facebook a little bit but that was it prior to that it was all word of mouth now when i say word of mouth that's social media too because obviously you know with with sessions shares and with tagging people in sneak peeks that in and of itself becomes word of mouth but yeah that was it do you remember your first paying client do you have a, like a dollar framed in, in your studio? No, I don't. Part? I'm trying to think of who. Yes, I do. So someone bought a gift certificate for a friend who was having a baby, and I went to like her. I went to like her living room and like shot the baby on the couch. Right yeah, on. that was my so very. You, first. So you started out selling gift certificates. No, she was just like, "Do you sell gift certificates?" I'm like, "Of course, of course I, I do." do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I made something on the printer, and like that was that. Did you go to Kinkos and like get gifts, like tangible? No, I had a printer. Nice. So <laughs> how'd you know how to price yourself when you're? I oh I didn't it was horrific I would like I charged like a hundred dollars and went to people's house and like loaded up my minivan with like every single prop I had you know (laughs) did it like the night before spent about an hour doing that spent another hour when I got there like unloading (laughs) yeah no I had no clue I did a lot of things really backwards how did your walk us through your pricing history how did it evolve and when did you know how to uh, increase your pricing okay so. That's a good question. Um, I'm full of those. Yeah. So initially, like I said, I charged. <laughs> full of something, buddy. Charged. I'm not sure if it's a good question, but you're full of something. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, so I'm a little extra right now. So I charged this $100 session fee, which was really absurd because truly I, I made a really reasonable income prior to coming into photography. And somehow people still find it really challenging to like, you know, 
find their value and worth and 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 charge people appropriately even when they're coming from industries where they're making like really good money um but you do you have like this guilt factor about it because especially as a mom and a photographer you're coming with other moms and you're like I don't know it was, it was bizarre I felt really challenged to price myself accordingly and you don't take into account initially like how much work you're really doing mm-hmm. and I see that all the time we'll be like well you know $100 for two hours is good work you know that's good pay and they're not, not by really. any means taking into account you know the, the travel time the amount of editing time and the fact that at the end of the day it's really like $2 an hour when you right. really truly um, add all of that up but I, again I didn't have a business mind for it that wasn't where I was coming from I was this like linguistic creative um in 2013 I was you know I had now already transitioned to a studio but I was still in a position of I don't want to say luxury that's not the right word was in a position where I wasn't the primary breadwinner so I did have the ability to take like clients as I needed to and continue to supplement income I um, but in 2013, my husband came home one night. We'd been together 14 years, and it was a Friday night, and he came home, and he was like, I'm leaving. What? Yeah. So I have, you know. Out of the blue? Yeah. So I have one-year-old twins at this point. I'm on the couch. I, I, I was on the couch before he got home. He'd been away on a, you can't see me right now. I'm doing air quotes. He was on a business, business trip. Business trip. Yeah. And I'm on the couch, and I'm watching, like, a 2020 special on Sandy Hook, and I'm crying. Like, I'm bawling watching oh, this. No. And he comes barreling through the door. He's already, like, way late. His flight was supposed to be in earlier. He comes barreling through the door. And uh, I'm in tears. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm really, you know, I can tell you're upset. You're not happy either. I'm like, wait, what? Like, I'm watching, like. Like Sandy Hook. No, I'm watching Sandy Hook. And he's like, you know, I'm not, this is truly how this went down. Um, He looks at me, and I'm like, what? what?" I I think he's going to tell me someone's dead, you know, the way his eyes are. And he says, "Um, I'm leaving. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, I love you. I love you so much, but I'm not in love with you. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can say it now because now yeah. we're, we're, this is five years later. You right, know? Right. <laughs> it's been a lot of processing time for me. But, um, yeah, I, like, begged him to tell me more. And you probably can figure out yeah, where. Yeah, something the, else is going yeah, on. Well, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You can probably figure out, fill in all the blanks. And I didn't figure out anything until much, much later. Yeah. He was an ammunitions dealer. But, no, no. <laughs> Selling no. weapons to North Korea. No, no. He didn't want to get you involved. No. Son of a bitch. I kept thinking yeah. there. You were thinking that too. I, I was thinking that too. I was thinking there had too. to be some yeah. sort of other storyline. I was thinking he was but... selling arms to the North Koreans <laughs> and didn't want you to go down. Uh, yeah, he knew it. Right? He was probably hooked up with Paul Manafort in some strange <laughs> yeah. way too. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was all too typical of a story. And um... I'm sorry you went through that. No, thank you. But I, what what came of it was the fact that. So we had um, a home that we planned on raising our children in, and um, I thought once I was able to finally pull myself together weeks later, because I truly went through that period of, like, could not get out of bed, like, had to tell myself to breathe, like, laying on the floor, you know. Yeah, that's hard. I went through all that. And then once I finally realized, I'm like, all right. And everyone kept saying, what are you going to do? You're going to have to sell the house. You're going to have to, you know, go back to a real job. And I said... Can I swear? Yeah, yeah. I was like, like, yeah, no, it hit me. I'm like, fuck that. I'm like, that was never, no. Like, that's no. Like, I'm, no. Like, I'm raising my kids in this home. This is their home. This is my home. But with that, I was like, I've got to figure this out. Right. I've got to figure this out. And I've got to figure out how I'm going to make this work. Like, I, you know, so I knew really quickly I was going to have to start valuing myself. I was going to have to start charging really appropriately and once that hit me i had no guilt anymore because i'm like you know i'm going to charge what i'm worth i need that's to that's awesome yeah i think that's really a cool story too in this cool story in the sense that um not it, a cool story Rob. no I, here's not. here's where i'm going <laughs> you kind of got beat up on this right i mean that was a really tough thing where a lot of people lose their sense of self-worth and you said you, you literally had to tell yourself to breathe but you completely overcame that point where you couldn't price yourself before. You didn't feel valuable in that business. And you completely turned that around and made it into a very successful business for yourself. You found that confidence through that, that set of adversities that you went through. Absolutely. Once you have to, once you really put you have yeah. your back against the wall and you're like, you know what? This is it. You have you no don't want to know I have to charge this because guess what? I have kids at home. Right. You know? I'm I'm raising I'm raising them and there's no reason why I'm not worth this. And so it made it all okay to value myself and to charge appropriately and to really charge in a way that 
I was worth it. And I knew right. that because I knew how much work I put into everything I did. And I knew how much I had learned and how with the experience I was providing for my clients. And ultimately, it no longer, be, it wasn't a hobby. It was, it was a business. Right. And I had to treat it as such. I think that's, thank you for sharing that. That's, yeah. that's very inspirational. So what did you find clients said? Were people resistant to your new pricing or were they like, no, okay, good, let's do this? I lost clients, you know, I yeah. did. Um, and not in a bad way, even, and some were even honest. They're like, I love you so much, it works the best, but we can't afford it anymore. And that was okay. Yeah. I was okay with that. And others, they were like, I love you so much, your price have gone up, we're saving up for it. You know, we can't, we can't imagine not right. working with anyone else. And they were awesome. And even clients who no longer were using me were still referring me. Mm-hmm. They were referring me out. So it, it was okay. Um, and I started not taking things personal, you know, and that's what really helped again right. with it from the business side. It's not personalizing it. That's, that's one thing that's almost luxurious about being a newborn photographer. You very often are going to have repeat business because so many of your families are having more babies. Absolutely. And if you crush it for them and they love what you do, they're going to come back for baby number two or three or five. 100%. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And I actually was just acknowledging this the other day. I think people are having more kids again. And I know yeah. that's such a general statement. But growing up, like, my friends all had, like, a sibling. Right. You know, maybe two. Thanks a lot, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot, truly, yeah. a lot of my clients are having three, four yeah. babies, like, quite a few. It's Netflix. And I started with them. Um, and they're all coming They're all coming back. They all yeah. come back. And not only that, it's not even just the residual in the sense of more children. There's landmarks. There's six-month sessions. There's one-year mm-hmm. sessions. Then there's the annual session. There's the family session. There's the holiday theme session. It's really quite marvelous. And if you cultivate this business where you have loyal clients, I mean, it's the most amazing thing to be able to turn. I, I turn people away all the time because I always, always, always will feed my loyal clients first. Um, and that's a really nice place to be in because I have these like almost call my lifers, these mm-hmm. really fantastic clients that sell me for me without me having to do anything. Do you almost feel like you're integrating with that family when you see them on all these different occasions? Oh, and this? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny too, because again, I've seen the, you have to remember like other than the pediatrician, maybe like that baby has not been in anyone else's like arms or anyone else's, mm-hmm. you know, ho- home or environment other than mine in like those first couple weeks of life the parents who are having this new baby are coming to my studio and I recognize like what a challenge that is especially like I can put myself back in that mindset of being a a new mom and they've come and they've traveled and and some travel from um, I'm in Rhode Island I have clients that travel from Boston they travel from New Hampshire they travel Connecticut sometimes they're traveling a couple hours to come see me and I realize how challenging that is and I tell them like all you have to do I don't give them this big checklist to get ready you know I'm like just 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 come to me. Just get to me with the baby. And once you get there, I promise, I promise I'll take over. And they come in. I can see them like, you know, obviously they're sleep deprived mm-hmm. and, and they're like wary and, and sometimes they're running late and they feel so bad. I'm like, it's all good. It's all good. And I've, I've created this experience that's like when you enter a spa. I like one of the spas. Yeah. And so I translated that into my business. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you walk in yeah, and like okay. smells so good. I've got like, you know, music playing. And I just like take their baby. I can see that. I can see their shoulders like relax. <sighs> yeah. I'm like, I got this. It's yeah. all good. Sit down. Get you some tea. Have some wine. It's I, have a wa- I have a warm neck roll. <laughs> I will give you a glass of champagne and mimosa. Yeah. <laughs> no, truly. And they yeah. get to just like sit down and I take over. So I've already shaped that experience for them like really early on. And I know so much about babies. Now I'm just obviously not in the medical profession, but there's thing, been things like I diagnose and I'm like, bring, you know, bring this up to your pediatrician when you visit next. Right. I can tell they have a herniated umbilical. I've detected like um, tongue-tied babies and just different things. Wait, <laughs> what is a tongue-tied baby? baby? Okay, so. We're both parents. It, I don't know what that all is. Right, well, Take your tongue, and yeah. like underneath, you know, you yeah. have like the cord. Yeah. All right. Sometimes it's stuck. It has to be clipped. Oh, really? Yeah. So the tongue literally rolls. It's, no, it's not rolls. It's like it's <clears throat> stuck. It's not. There's no space between the bottom oh, of the so palate. Bizarre. I hope I'm explaining this right. Yeah. But like at the bottom yeah. of the palate. Yeah. yeah. So it needs to be clipped. Wow, that's crazy. Uh-huh. Th- that's insane. Yeah. 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 So I wish the viewers could see you doing that. <laughs> Sorry. That was awesome. Why are we running a camera right now? Damn it. Damn it. Tex, come on. So, so I, I'm, I, beyond any amazing photograph I can take for these families, I'm providing them with this comfortable experience. I'm documenting yeah. their baby, which is ultimately the longevity and the purpose of what I'm doing. But I'm really starting 
and engaging in this relationship that hopefully is going to last a really, really long time. And I don't lose sight of that ever. It's really important to me. I value it so much. And then when I see these children as they're growing up, and even if I'm just seeing them through Facebook and I, and I see how big they're growing and I'm commenting, like, that's with authenticity. I'm really commenting, like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe how big they've grown. And But just in doing that, right away they'll be like, oh, my gosh, yeah, we need to book our next session. And they're reminded, like, we, we need to get back in there. Um, it's really, really neat. I actually have um, a book coming out this June, um, a kids' photography book. And in this book, I'm looking at all these children. As I, I, I just finished sending it off to the publisher. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, this is so cool. I'm like, these are my clients. Because now the, the book is mostly child-focused, but they're mm. almost all children that I photographed like as newborns. And now um, they've grown a little bit. And I'm like, they're all here documented, like, in one place and someday these kids are all going to be you know high school seniors and they're going to be looking back and they're all together in this aggregate collection (laughs) yeah juniors drinking but back then it's like this it's this collection of this beautiful innocence I'm like this is really really neat let's talk about my favorite gallery of yours which is the little ones Mm -hmm. I think talk about a collection of innocence um, just some really wonderful characters. That was driven. creepy. <laughs> no, this is great, dude. Talk about a collection of innocence. It is. Uh, you we're, don't pay we're, attention. We were in the Uber on <laughs> yesterday, uh-uh. and, <laughs> and it's it's all quiet, and we're you know just coming to back to the hotel. This and, is gonna suck. And Rob Rob is in the back seat. He's talking to his daughter Chandler and. Something about or she's what was she making tea or something? Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't sounding right. <laughs> And Rob goes, it needs that daddy magic. <laughs> <laughs> and we but you all, get that sentiment. I get it. that sentiment. Thank you. And I think that's darling. It is. It's I a know. lovely sentiment uh, to my uh, beautiful yep. daughter. I totally get it. So now, for the last two days. These a-holes I've deal <laughs> with every day. We've been finding ways to bring up. It needs the daddy magic. <laughs> so, you know, it only sounds creepy to me because you're saying it. Yeah. Right? Right. I bet when yeah. she said it. Yeah, yeah. I bet when you said it to your daughter, it was really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so anyway, <laughs> I love the Little Ones Gallery. I think it's really great. Um, tell me a little bit about that because it does feel very character driven. You're taking kids in. Um, I don't know. I, f- I feel like you're capturing. You're putting them in a d- little different environment, but you're really capturing their essence. So I think for me, what's really translated into my photography is my background in literature. Um, everything's a story to me it really is and Mm -hmm. whether I'm fostering that story or I'm narrating that story or I'm just observing the story essentially I want it to feel like a story so when I'm capturing children um, I I'm not a lifestyle photographer obviously if you're viewing my work but it the images are organically driven I do try and incorporate either like elements that are meaningful for the children or just environments that are going to perpetuate some natural reaction or emotion so that what I'm creating what I'm crafting is ultimately like infused with authenticity I never ask kids like look smile I'm not like over eager about grabbing their attention um I just want them to just enjoy themselves and I don't force anything and again I think that adds that experience for the parents always like oh I don't know if he's going to cooperate never cooperate like it doesn't matter like that's not what we're here to do we're here to document your child at this time in his Mm -hmm. or her life and that's what I'm going to do today actually that's great that you set that expectation with your clients right away because they're always like, oh, I see these other pictures, and my kids don't do this or that. I'm like, your child's going to do whatever they're going to do today. Right. But this is up to me to handle the environment. So much so that sometimes I need to tell parents, like, just chill out. Hang out here. Like, I've got this. But I think that that's because I was a teacher for so long, and I had command of a classroom. Mm-hmm. And I had to be, you know, not the educator, but also the disciplinarian and also the administrator and do all of it where parents are more, you know, are not as hands-on in the daily basis of the education so even I take the same responsibility at a shoot like I just take over but in a way that's you know friendly and inviting right. um, but I kind of want the parents to, like step back a little bit you know and, and let me do my thing right. and drink, champ- play. drink champagne <laughs> yeah, and let, let me play with, let with me hang this. out what yeah. have been some of your harder shoots and, and why well you know so I guess two examples. I'll think of it from a client perspective and also think of it from a personal project perspective. So from a client perspective, the ones that are always hard are those times that the parents are really worked up. They feel like their child's like not performing. They've really worked up this vision of yeah. the shoot. Um, and even though I've said to them, you know, it's okay, we're fine. You know, if a parent's like yelling at a child and really stealing that 
joy and making it feel like the child has to perform, I mean, game over. Yeah, it's that's awful. terrible. It's awful. And, like, it's really hard for me. I mean, I don't. I have no problem, like, taking over and, and directing the child, but it's not my responsibility to coach the parents right. on how to, you know, foster the children. So that becomes, that becomes challenging. I had a shoot last fall where the whole time the mom was just yelling at the kid to the point where, like, I felt so bad child like yeah. so bad and then there were like the threats made like well you're not gonna get to go you know hang out with your friends this week you're not going to go daddy's you're not gonna get to go yeah you know and you feel really bad oh, that sucks yeah it's awful and then again <laughs> now the child's just like standing there trying to trying to again perform because that's right. what they're supposed to do with these four smiles and like i there's very little i mean i i, I can do at that point other than just try and continue to talk to them and make them feel comfortable trying to make them laugh kick the mom out <laughs> right like yeah. get out yeah. and that's exactly what i want to do and yet the child just so nervous at that point that yeah. they're not performing they well. need daddy magic yeah. <laughs> see what i mean <laughs> i mean that's few and far between like 95 percent of my clients are are amazing but but every once in a while you do you get people and i th- I try to think from the parents' perspective, too. I think because, like, they are making this investment and they've worked it up in their head and what's supposed to happen. And even though I do believe it's my responsibility to coach them, you know, sometimes people just have their own understanding well, of how clients. things are supposed to unfold. Exactly. Their clients exactly. And, and, you know, the key to, to clients is managing expectations. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the name of the game. No matter what sector you are in in photography, managing client expectations is pretty yeah. important. A hundred percent. So when someone contacts you through your website mm-hmm. or sends you an email, what does the next steps look like? Uh, what do you give them to kind of educate them and pricing guides? Or yeah, what does that look so like? so I'm really transparent. It all starts there on the website. I like to have like this asynchronous discussion via email just to start, just because it helps me keep track of like who I'm talking to and what they're interested in and when they're due, for example. Um, so I do actually start online, which I know that we should be picking up the phone and talking, but I just that's where I need to start streamlining um, is always through the written communication. So a client will come in through my website or through a referral, an email, whatever it may be. And even if they come in through Facebook, I just direct them right away to um, the contact form just so I can start with the intake and have the email and the phone number and everything. And then from there, I just need to find out. It for, I mean, I get the whole gamut from I've reviewed, you know, I've visited your website, I've looked at your pricing, I'm ready to book to like just a message that'll be like, what do you charge? <laughs> I'm like, well, for what? <laughs> so I just start, well, thanks, you know, thanks so much for reaching out. What, I mean, what, what kind of session are you interested in? You know, that didn't work. You tried. <laughs> tried to drink quietly. It wasn't me. It another beer. I had two sips. <laughs> it was not me. <laughs> so, all right. So it looks like you have nine options for sessions. The yes. starting at, uh, is it okay if I talk about this? Yeah, you yeah, can. Okay. I'm, that's what I mean. I'm super transparent about my pricing because by the time someone. secretive about it. Yeah, but the, the time people inquire, like, I want to filter out people. And I know that that sounds awful, but I, I don't want to go back and forth with someone and then finally disclose my pricing at the very end, or right. not disclose it at all, right. and then have people be Waste pissed time. or yeah. be, like, offended. It, it's absurd to be offended yeah. by pricing. So, I yeah, it's it's all out there. So it's it all on the like website. Your sessions start at 300 mm-hmm. and go to 1500 What's the most popular? Um, so... Generally speaking, any sessions like it's a $300, $350 session. It depends on how many um, children are included because I do charge for additional um, children. I charge yeah. extra if the parents are going to be photographed as well as if it's a family session. Um, but that's for the session itself. So that's for my time and that's for these. I don't travel very far because where I live, we have pretty much everything I need as far as whether you want a studio session or really nearby. I can do woods. I can do water. I can do fields. Um, so I don't travel sheds. very far. Yeah, I can do sheds, sheds. I can do streets, anything you want. <laughs> um, and then, so that's for the session. And then the session just includes my time, talent, and my editing of the final gallery. But then anything that clients wish to purchase, they purchase afterwards. So there's a minimum purchase requirement. Um, and then I have s- several packages. Not, I shouldn't say several, a handful of packages for clients. Are to you doing your from. own printing? Uh-huh. I do not. Pr- I'm, act- um, no, I'm actually sponsored by Miller's, and I adore them. I do not print in-house. I print everything through Miller's. Nice. I, yeah, I would hate to print. Yeah, I, I don't want to. For whatever reason, I just hate that. printing. I like printing, but it's time-consuming. It's time-consuming. I was yeah. looking yesterday at, while I was here at WPPI. I was, speak, I was um, looking at some of these really cool printers, and it looks amazing. But it's not – I wear so many hats at this point in yeah. my business. I'm at the point where I want to delegate more tasks and not take on anything more. So, You know, the biggest problem with printers is if you're not using them all the time, 
Oh, I can imagine. And they become problematic. Yeah. Ink sets dry out. The tubes dry out. Get me started on ink. <laughs> Man, oh, don't God. get me started. It, Miller sends yep. out like overnight. <laughs> like I can order today and I'm going to have it tomorrow. It That's doesn't great. even make it defies yeah. like everything I understand about There's this travel. brother's <laughs> printer online, like just cheap ones. Mm-hmm. Like, not for printing actual photos, just copy paper, paper, right? <laughs> they have this sale on it all the time that makes it cheaper than buying the ink cartridges. I was going to say the, the ink cartridges are so always I more keep expensive. The whole printer. Yeah. I keep buying new printers when I just <laughs> yeah. need new ink. We have a stack of printers in the closet <laughs> in the bet. studio. We, just, we don't want to buy new inks. We just buy new printers. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So how often are you shooting? What does your average week look like? So it depends on time of year. I'm in New England, so we're seasonal and I'm cyclical in how much shooting I'm doing. Um, in the summer months, my heavy shooting months, because I'm now also shooting at the beach I'm shooting sunset sessions and our daylight is much you know the day is much longer um that can be weeks from shooting anywhere from like seven to ten shoots that's a really big week um a normal average week for me if I had to like do a year-round average is like three to four shoots that's where I'm at um I would love for it to be less Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm, I'm shooting way too much and that's where I get um, truly overwhelmed and bogged down is that I shoot way too much. Sounds like you need to raise your prices again and take you know, a little less. I, I know. I've been entertaining this. Now, this is where I'm back to my old school ways of I feel bad because I've had these people for so long now and I have such a loyal clientele and I feel like where's that ceiling, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's a hard one. It is. And I'm happy with I'm really, really happy right now with my price points. I know, sure, they could be higher but I'm, I'm really, I'm pleased. I truly am. Um, but I would like to shoot less. That's weird. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, but that's where what's been nice is in doing some of the other things that I've been doing more more of the education side and more of speaking um, and supplementing additional income in that sense. It's made me feel comfortable and that I can still charge, you know, what I'm what I'm charging without having to raise my pricing for my clients. So when you hit this transition in your life Mm -hmm. and you're like, crap, I got to figure this out. How long did it take before you really felt like you were up and running? And how long did it take to, for, before you were like, you know what? I've made it. I can, I can support my kids. I can live in this house. Yeah. It's, I'm there. So it was kind of quick. It was like six months. Because awesome. what happened, well, really amazing things started happening to me. It was really bizarre. I swear there was like some universal intervention in all of this. Like Karma. I, had, I, I truly believe it. Yeah. I swear to you. Once I, I started feeling so empowered and I took on this, like, vulnerability I never even knew I had. And I started, like, just wearing my heart on my sleeve. Like, there were some times where I was, I was in a session. I was just, I just started crying, which sounds absurd. This was early on, yeah. you know. But I remember there were, and I, I wasn't just divulging everything because I had no intention of doing that. But there was one session where I, I, I just shared a little bit of what I was going through. And it, the client was like, oh, my goodness. I, I can't even imagine this right now. But then she opened up to me about, something she experienced and I was like I'm not alone in this I mean mm-hmm. you know when I my parents are from Portugal and my my dad is my both my parents were born and raised there but my dad is like these adages that don't always translate or they yeah. seem ins- exceptionally insensitive um but like when daddy it, magic <laughs> when, my, <laughs> when my when I told my father what I was going through his first response to me was not you know daddy's gonna give you some magic or give you a hug <laughs> no he said to me he said but I say, you're not the first, you won't be the last. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's what he said to me. Yeah. And I remember being like, what? Yeah. 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 You know, but he was right. Yeah. But when you go through something so horrific, you feel obviously so, you just feel so alone. You feel like you can't, you know, no one understands. Plus I was this, I was younger to be going through what I was going through that in the sense that it fortunately, like my cohort, that no one was going through a divorce. They were all just like starting to have children. So I, I had no So you one. felt more isolated because of that. Absolutely. The age, the And then the, suddenly yeah, I was the timing photo- of it. And I'm photographing all these new families that are so excited and right. walking through my door with like that, you know, like that new, you know, when you have a baby and whether you've been married for, you know, a year, a couple of years, but it, it reforges you in a way yeah. because now, you know, it, it's yeah. just a new chapter in your life together. It's a big deal. Having yeah. a baby it, is a really big deal for obviously, a couple. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Rob loves babies. I do. Like, he, he would <laughs> still <laughs> be making babies. I would still If the other babies. party was involved. Wanted 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 to have more babies. Every day, every yeah. week, he's like, man, I just need a baby. Right? I, <laughs> I, I, I would have had 10. 
I totally would have. I started seeing these couples coming through. And instead, you know, honestly, what it did for me was just kind of like reforged my belief system in loyalty and in family and in the whole union. It was instead of the opposite being like, well, <laughs> well screw this whole thing. It was the opposite. And so I just started immersing myself in the work and focusing on that and Ultimately, what's really challenging, too, when you're going through a divorce, it, you, especially when you're, you're blindsided because it's not like you've had the, you know, the time to – I think when so, uh, the other party had time to think about, like, being out, you know, think about, like, what life was going to look like in the future. Mm-hmm. It kind of has – they have that, like, settling period where they're envisioning, you know. Right. So I didn't have that. So he, sudden, made, he made his decision. Exactly. It was a choice. Right. And so suddenly I – when you – as a mother, you know, you always feel like you need a break and a vacation and time away. But then when it's forced upon you, it is the worst sentence ever. You're like, these are my babies. And now suddenly every other weekend, then I'm not going to have them. Yeah. You're kidding me. Um, and it's not a decision you've made. It's 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 what it is. Right. Um, but it allowed me, again, that time of escape where I was able to just throw myself into my work. So within that short amount of time, to answer your initial question about when did I feel like I made it, it ended up being fairly quick because I was able to suddenly focus on business every other weekend mm-hmm. when, you know, I wasn't going out with other friends because they were all doing their family right. thing, you know. And I was just behind the computer again in that time, in that pensiveness and returning to what I enjoyed doing, that meditative process of just sitting there editing, learning new things and kind of just having a little bit of soulful time. Um, and I was able to transform the business, sit down and I started making like business plans and I started looking at, okay, how can I monetize this? I started a, a mini session model that's been really successful for me because um, right away I needed to procure my own money. Mm-hmm. So what happened happened in March and um, I was like, okay, May, spring's coming around. I'm going to rock this weekend so I can start making my own money and it just started transforming. I mean, truly. And my work is getting awesome. better it's and really better really inspirational better. story. Really inspirational. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. you have hobbies outside of photography? I do. What do I you do? do? Like, I knit what, you know, Rob does stuff. Two story? He, he knits yeah. underwear. Yeah. I just started a brand. I'm, I knit underwear with pockets. With pockets. Yeah. In Ford. the underwear. So you have to go under the pants to get into the pockets. Yeah. That's assuming yeah. you're wearing pants. No, you you're, you're making the wrong assumption, <laughs> Tracy. Yeah. You, you, you're, these are not to be worn under anything. <laughs> I can crochet. Tell her what the pockets are for. <laughs> They're for little tiny bottles of Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah. I can't even. <laughs> processing. Do you know uh, Pratik and Bella are going to. Do you know Pratik? I do not. Uh, he's a, a retoucher and Bella's a, a fine art photographer. Mm. I'm going to get them. They don't know that yet, but they're going to be my models for Because there's a men and women's line. Perfect. Yeah. They're going to be the models for the yeah. underwear line? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Are the women putting little bottles of Jack Daniels oh, in yeah. the underwear too? Oh, yeah. Is it just Jack? Is that the only? Yeah. Kate, no, what no, if you, what no, if you want? There's like a lot of bottles gin. that are in that shape. It's for that shape of the, like, the little tiny ones, mm-hmm. you know? Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh, yeah. So okay. back to you. What so back to, I, don't <laughs> I don't remember the question. Back to your hobbies. <laughs> it's yeah, back to your hobbies. What do you do besides dreaming about underwear with pockets <laughs> in it for your mini booze bottles? Oh, what do you do? I, oh, I'm so typical of a former teacher. I read you a read. ton. I yeah. do. I really, really do. I read a lot. Um, what else do I do? Who are your favorite authors? Oh, I still love my. I still love Salinger, and um, I'm trying to think about. Where, I've been. I've been on a kick lately of reading just like a lot of new age texts. Again, I mentioned the whole karma. A lot of business mm-hmm. books. Um, Gladwell, and Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I and then also I, I go back and forth. Like I'll read like three business books, and then I need like a fluff piece, like. Just truly like like a, a trashy romance. No, 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 no. I should be careful what I say. No, not at all. Just more like a contemporary woman, like a beach. Uh, you know, they call them like beach reads. Okay, like yeah. a story that takes place like you know, a couple meets in Nantucket, hangs out, falls in love. You know, right. that kind of stuff. Right. No, nothing worthwhile. And then I'll return to classics. I'll be like, wait, I never read, um, you know, the Bronte sisters, or I never read right. <laughs> Catch on the Rye. But do you write? Um, I. I do write. I am a writer, I would say, but I haven't written in a while. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day because I started writing down um, some sort of, it's funny because I was mentioning my father and I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, I have such great material from for him, like yeah. from my father. And I started writing down just like the index, the chapter titles. <laughs> my father is a, a, a genius at making like any fault of his okay, like to the point where you can't argue with him anymore. Um, he 
truly. I want to know how you do that. Yeah, and it's the title of this fictitious book that I'll never write. But it's going to be called You're Right and Other Things I Learned from My Father. And my father wasn't really – he was always in my – he was always present in my life. I always knew he loved him, but he wasn't ever, ever, like, around at all. My parents weren't together um, all growing up, and I saw my father on Saturdays from 3 to 7. Um, and sometimes he didn't come. Hmm. And I would be like – you know, I'd be – so sad and I he lived really close by so even to the point where I got old enough where I could like you know walk to his house or ride bikes and he worked he worked nights so I'd like go wake him up and I'd be so upset I'm like you didn't come pick me up you know he'd be like you're right honey you're right he's like that's not the first time and it's not, not the last, last. Right. and he would just say this and he'd go you're right honey I'm like dad blah, blah, blah. I was so upset and right. he'd go you're right you're right and he would just say that and what do you say to someone so he did just that tells disarm you you're you? right did it just totally yeah. disarm you Yes, because what do you do? You want to get, you know, when you're fighting with someone or you're telling someone they did something wrong, when they just tell you that you're right, yeah. what do you do? Kick him in the kneecaps. Where do you go from there? (laughs) I'd punch him in the throat, personally. (laughs) I'd Um, kick him in the kneecaps. Yeah, yeah, so another chapter is going to be that you're not the first. (laughs) You'll be the last. I think you should write There's a whole series of them. (laughs) I think you should write it. Are you into uh, Murakami at all? Do you know the author? No. It's Japanese. You should check him out. It's it's insane. I've been going on a Murakami terror recently. Yeah. He did um, IQ84. It's kind of like a, a take on 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. He's a Japanese writer, so when he comes out with a book, it takes at least a year for it to be translated. And he has two full-time, basically, people that translate his work. And just the process of translating something from Japanese into English, the way that imagine. they do it, is, is a masterpiece. It's, it's great. Check him out. Should. Right. Yeah. How do you spell last name? Murakami, M-U-R-A-K-A-M-I. Haruki Murakami is his name. But Great name. Awesome. He's That's like a good name for a whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Haruki Murakami. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We need, we Single need to, batch. We need to get on our whiskey brand, Rob. I know. I just, I'm going to own my own whiskey brand one day. Really? That's one of my life goals. Yeah. I'll we be need to the, do uh, You'll be the brand ambassador? Yes. <laughs> Walk around in the undies. With a little oh my god, wait a minute. That's and the it whole comes around full circle. That's the whole reason. This is beautiful. Yeah. And that's how we're gonna promote it. You're gonna be walking around in hand knitted underwear that has little pockets for our whiskey. God it. damn it. This is brilliant. This is our the best idea we've ever had. It's we have better the best than RGG EDU. We have god the best ideas it. on high life. Let's Cheers. drink to that. I love yeah. that you're drinking high <laughs> and, uh, cheers it's the you. champagne of beers. It is the oh, champagne of beers. Cheers. 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 Well, I, thank Wait, you. One more question. One more. So you love okay. this job? Are you going to keep doing it forever? I, Where are you going with this? I love this job. I was just actually so I'm. I could fill in the gaps really quickly, but I'm. I'm remarried. I my husband's phenomenal. He's here with me, and um, I was telling him that last night. I was like, I really, really love like what I do. And I mean it. You know what's the best thing about my job? I have no idea, like, what numerical we're on, ever. And I mean, like, I have no idea, like, what day. Right. I mean, I know, like, that, you know, right. it's, it's Tuesday. Um, but I never have any idea, like, I'm like, what day is today? Do you know how beautiful that is? Like, right. historically speaking, I was, was like, three more days to the weekend. You know, right. like, two more weeks until this right. vacation or this break from school because I lived by a calendar as right. a teacher. Um, and you're, it's a constant countdown. No matter what you're yeah, doing, summer break. it's a constant My countdown. And the same yeah. thing for, for the teachers, exactly. And you live like that. And what kind of way is that to live? Always, like, counting down toward something. And then you get halfway through it and you get the anxiety of, like, oh, no, it's approaching again. I'm not ready. You know, the weekend comes. You can't even enjoy a Sunday because suddenly, like, nerves set in that you have to – you're not prepped for the upcoming week and yeah. your copies and your lesson plans. And it was so overwhelming. And I felt like my life was just, like, fully, like passing me by and I wasn't present at all. And I'm so present in what I'm doing right now. And That's so to awesome. forget about what day you're on, yeah. but yet for me to be able to forge like my education background, because I loved teaching. There was just everything else about it I didn't like anymore. I didn't, you know, the, the building itself, the cinder block building right. I didn't like, the institution, the exact timing of when I needed to be there and when I needed to leave. So I'm being able to marry the two, you know, have, bring my education background to be able to be here at WPPI teaching other photographers and doing it in a really just organic way, infusing the love I have for child photography it's really just kind of it's it's come full circle and, and just i love it that's awesome yeah that's 
I That's like this lady. Yeah, she's I got know. a great energy. You know, this is one of the most. Can we bring you home with us? This is like one of the best conversations we've I don't ever fit had. Your pocket. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't fit in my underwear. No, but I could. She, she could also version. be part of our brand ambassador team. You could be wearing the underwear with the. Uh, oh the, my god! Yeah. No way! Yeah, you the, can uh, make me one, but it has to be like a huge moo moo thing. Like that, I would rock. It has to have a lot of pockets. For it's made. Stellas. It's made from alpaca hair, so it's super it's super soft. soft. Is it? Is oh that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It was great. Where can people go to find uh, your website and your work? And check so my business out? name is Alon Studio. I should have mentioned that. So I'm Tracy Sweeney. Um, business name is Alon Studio. Check out my work online at um, Alon, E-L-A-N, dash studio. How did we get com. to that name? It's not oh, Tracy yeah. Sweeney. How did Alon come so up? So I was just like designing. At one point, I was just designing things because I mentioned I like to do graphic design. And I was just creating like greeting cards and invitations. And I had this ambition of like, maybe someday I'll have like a little card shop. So I was like, I need an LLC. And I jumped online on LegalZoom. And I'm like, what's your name? I'm like, that's I don't know. And I looked down. I had like my kids' vocab words for the week, and Alon was one of the words. I meant like oh, wow. style, vigor, dash, like enthusiasm. I'm like, that's an awesome word. Cool. Alon Studio, it is. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. Look at that. I, and I learned a word. <laughs> you did. My verbiage is yeah. up one. <laughs> Chalk yeah. one up to the English teacher. Yeah, and my stupidity is just all just down 10. <laughs> <laughs> That made no sense. No, no. it didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not at all. Which, I'd like, and I'd like to think which that, now that, that didn't happen in my even, company. Even better, which now made the joke even funnier. Because <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's to download this episode and the entire season six, go to rggedupodcast.com and also subscribe on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and SoundCloud where we publish a new episode every Wednesday. Every hump day. Every hump day. Wednesday. That's and the day. It drops. I tell you what. Tag Rob Grimm right now in a post about Daddy Magic. <laughs> oh, God. you know where to. Find oh, you know what's great about this? This isn't going to come out for months. So, yeah. Oh God! But then it's going to but... rear its ugly head again. Really? <laughs> <laughs> hashtag da- hashtag da- yeah. <laughs> Start the hashtag Daddy Magic oh, and tag Rob in it. <laughs> you just loved. You, you live to torture me. Just... I, I live to torture everyone. So yeah, but not me special. in particular. No, you're not. special. I'm just with you the most. Yeah, God. <laughs> What did I do wrong in life? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Don't answer that. This podcast is officially over. See you next time. For those of you who might not know what we're doing on Black Friday, should we tell them? No. Let's tease them. Let's give them a little idea. Let's give them a... A glimmer of hope. Okay, so at RGG EDU, we focus on revealing the secrets from working pro photographers and retouching in the industry to give you a leg up on the competition. And why is that? Is it because we believe that the best education comes from those who are working pros? Absolutely, Rob. And we believe that you shouldn't have to go to two to four year school to learn this education. No, because that's crazy expensive. It's fun, but it's crazy expensive. So we're making photography education accessible to the entire world at RGGEDU.com and this Black Friday, we're doing something. We're making an offer so great that we can't even mention it. No, we can't. This microphone, blow your mind. Would, this microphone would explode if I even thought about it. That's heavy. Go to rggedu.com right now, and you can sign up anywhere, and we will alert you about the Black Friday deals this November 23rd, 2018. Should we sing our jingle? Yeah. Do you finally have a jingle? rggedu.com.